Hello and welcome back to Coin Scrum Markets. I'm delighted to be joined today by Cesar Cerudo, CTO at IO Active Labs. Hi Cesar, thanks for joining us. Hi Paul, nice to be here. So um, we're here to talk about cybersecurity. Um, that's your background, uh, over 15 years working in cybersecurity uh, and more recently um, also applying your skills in uh, the blockchain and crypto space. Um, Cybersecurity has been in the news. Anyone that's been uh, uh, following crypto the last few weeks, a couple of high-profile hacks. Anyone that's been around for a long time knows that hacks have been um, you know, an issue within the industry since the very beginning from early centralized exchanges being compromised. And now more recently with the uh, explosion of DeFi, um, the risks and compromises have moved away from centralized operators to, to code itself and compromises of code. Um, that's securing literally hundreds of billions of dollars worth of value now. Uh, and a few weeks ago, um, there was a hack uh, on the Polygon network um, that saw uh, a hacker, turned out to be a white hat hacker, acting, um, uh, I guess, uh, with, uh, altruistic for, with altruistic reasons. Um, he, he managed to remove $600 million worth of value, and he did also return it. Um, and also more uh, last week as well on a centralized exchange out of Japan called Liquid, they also had a compromise that saw $90 million uh, be um, uh, removed from the exchange and this time uh, not returned. So more of a nefarious actor. So can, we, can you just start out and maybe just tell us a bit of your own history and your background um, and um, you know, how you, what work you've been doing in the specifically around the blockchain sector? Okay. Well, I have been doing security research and hacking for more than 20 years on different technologies. I started with database security, web application security, then operating system security, IoT. You know, I, I like hacking in general. Um, in the last, I don't know, two or three years, I started to, to take a look more at uh, cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain because I really like the, the technology and I saw a, a lot of different challenges there. Um, so here are we today talking about cybersecurity, but you know, have been long story of, of hacking different technologies and doing a lot of security research. Um, so I have a, a general overview of hacking and technology in general. Okay, so I mentioned this uh, this large attack on the Polygon network. Um, you know, at a high level, we don't want to go too deep into the technicals, and I guess there's only a limited amount of information as well. Um, but with, you know, with your background and experience, um, can we start by looking at perhaps the mindset of a hacker? Um, and with, you know, these decentralized smart contracting platforms where smart contracts securing all these funds are there in the public domain, potentially, uh, there to be exploited if there are flaws in the code. Um, can you just yeah, elucidate a little bit on the mindset of a hacker and what they'd start by looking out for and how they might go about such a compromise? Yes. Well, you know, you have good and bad hackers, usually the, the good ones like me. Uh, we, we take a look at different technology, try to find the problems so they can, they get solved and, and people don't suffer the consequences. Uh, the process is, is pretty complex. Usually finding a security problem in a piece of code or some technology, it could take more or less time. Sometimes it could, could take one hour or one week or one month or even many months. So you have to put a lot of effort on that. And also you have to have the knowledge 
or if you don't have the specific knowledge, you have to learn. For instance, in this case, uh, you have to take the code or smart code contract, start looking at the code, try to identify security problems. In order to do that, you need to understand how a smart uh, contract works. You need to understand the, the blockchain protocols, the different protocols working. Um, once you find the problem that could, like I said, could take out some time, then that's not uh, the end of the story because once you find a security problem, you have to find the proper way to exploit that problem to uh, reach the goal you want. In this case, it will be stealing cryptocurrency. In other system could be, you know, bypassing some access control, getting access to a, a password or getting access to credit cards. But in this case, it's, you know, trying to accomplish things that, you know, run away with cryptocurrency. Uh, so in order to do that, you have to build like a, sometimes a, a test environment where you can just start crafting the exploit and see how you could achieve your goal. Uh, sometimes it could be easier because if it is open source code that you can replicate the environment, maybe you can launch or, or test it in a, in a test network. Uh, sometimes it could be more difficult if the technology is not available as open source. Maybe you have to take a different approach because you will have to reverse engineer something. It will be like a black box where you have to figure out how it works. So it takes more time, it takes more skill. Um, so all this process has different challenges because sometimes you can say, okay, I'm already find a way to exploit this, but I face this new challenge. So you have to go again and then try to solve that challenge. And, and then it's an iteration that goes and goes until you finally say, okay, I find a way that I can exploit the security problem. I will bypass um, um, and solve all these challenges and I will accomplish my goal. So after that, you, you know, you, you call your tools, your exploit, we call it exploit, and we'll try to launch it in a test environment. Because if you try in a real environment, then it could not work. Maybe it doesn't happen anything, but maybe so, there is some problems that cause some problems so people will realize and will fix it. Or at least will notice that something weird is happening. Uh, and then when you try to exploit it for real, then you won't have the possibility because it could be fixed or people will be monitoring for it. So first you want to try it in a test environment, making sure that your exploit works pretty well, and then we just launch it in a real life environment and try to get successful with that. So I guess in this way, he goes to all these stages. Like I say, it could take a lot of time. And when you think about the, the price, if you did well, it's, you know, it's a lot of pride because if you think for, for winning $600 million, you have to work for 10 lives. <laughs> so if you think, okay, I will invest a year, but maybe I can win six million, six, $600 million, then it, it was a, a year effort of work, right? Yeah. Um, so the goal, the, the price is really huge to invest a lot of time and effort. But sometimes it could be simple, it couldn't be that complicated. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have seen these uh, you know, compromises, um, you know, especially on the DeFi, you know, world of DeFi, since really you know, Ethereum started being adopted. Um, you know, I think when Ethereum was first designed, um, you know, the challenge that uh, the founders were trying to overcome was to be able to have a lot more expression in their code. Um, there were so many limitations about what you could develop on top of Bitcoin with its very limited 
scripting language. Um, and, you know, from with Bitcoin scripting language where, you know, there's very binary outcomes um, in terms of that script, you know, the theory of designers decided to go to the other extreme and uh, develop Turing complete smart contracts. The idea being that you could code anything into these smart contracts. Um, and I think, you know, a debate from very, very early on was, well, that's great. That allows, you know, fast innovation, but it also creates huge attack vectors. Um, and that's what we're seeing. Um, and then some people will argue that, well, these open public networks are evolving like organic systems. They're open to attack. Um, once exploits are found, um, then ultimately that makes these systems stronger because they're patched and we move forward and hopefully over time these things become much more resilient. Um, but I guess people such as yourselves and uh, systems administrators everywhere would um, and software developers everywhere will say there's no such thing as 100% secure code. Um, a couple of years ago or a few years ago, we saw the um, SSL uh, Hartley Compromise open source project. Uh, a bug had been sitting there for, for many, many years before it was noticed um, and uh, you know, potentially exploited. So, you know, in this new paradigm that we're kind of uh, working in uh, within this industry, um, what's your thoughts on this, the idea of like how these early smart contracts have been designed. Um, is there room for improvement? Is there a compromise? Um, I know that Cardano, um, another smart contracting platform, are releasing their uh, smart contracting capabilities just next month. Um, the, their authors say that they've taken a kind of more bounded approach, um, whereby um, you know, they've they've kind of um, they've gone with a domain specific language design um, and also referenced um, existing taxonomies around uh, financial contracts that have been used for many years within traditional financial markets. What's your thoughts on this overall? I know I've put a lot out there, um, but you know, have we started off on the wrong foot or is this just something where we need to keep carry on evolving until we find the right solution? Well, like I said at the beginning, have been for a long time in cybersecurity, so I have seen the same problems over and over again. So this is not, not a, a new story. When there is a new technology um, you know, present and, and there is a rush to, to come out with different solutions with the new hot stuff, always security is left behind. You know? People try to push code, release code, um, you know, start to use it. And we have seen this problem with you know, uh, web servers at the beginning of the 2000s. And then later, then after that database, we are also very insecure. Then browsers, we are very insecure. Then lately IoT is very insecure. And that's this, it's always the same reason. You rush to market with technology because people, you know, want to make money. They want to, you know, make, uh, go and make, those tight deadlines, you know, get, get, get a competitive advantage, etc. It has been always like that. In this case, it's, it's even more serious, like um, different from other technology, because we are talking about a lot of money that the cryptocurrency protocols deal with. Um, so I think the industry should pause and say, what we are doing, we are doing the right thing or not. I mean, and then, after that, that pause, define a plan on action where they try to focus, to really focus on cybersecurity. Because if not, then they just keep building 
on top of weak technology. Mm -hmm. So you can add an extra layer with more security, but the layer below, we continue being insecure. Um, like I said, this has been the, the same story with different technology. And also on top of that, you have developers that maybe they are very good at, at creating technology, you know, uh, writing code, etc. But not all developers, I would say 90% of the developers, they don't manage the basic security compass. Or some of them understand basic security compass, uh, but they don't know how to properly uh, code them, how to properly implement security solutions. And that's a very common problem. You can have the, the best uh, security uh, API, the best uh, encryption, etc. But then at the implementation time, if the developer don't know how to properly implement, in a security way, he will make mistakes. And when you are rushing to market, those mistakes cost millions of dollars as we are seeing now. So I think that the best solution will be, you know, try to pause, say what we are doing, try to be with security conscious. Uh, that means that you have to think about security from the very beginning. Um, like uh, an example of you are, you know, building a 20 story building, if you, when you are at the last story, you realize that the foundation was weak, then it can collapse. It will be very difficult to fix. Um, so if you don't start from the security from the very beginning and introduced in every process of the technology development, then if you just care at the very end, that's not going to work. I mean, you can fix some security problems, but not all. And like I said, it can happen all the time. Look at, you know, big technology, uh, vendors like uh, Apple, Microsoft, Oracle, see the story on the security problems they have in the different technology, and you will see the same story repeating over and over again. You know, rush to market, lot of problem, then they pause, they make something more secure, then next stage. Um, we continue seeing security problems, for instance, on iPhones, on Microsoft operating system. They are uh, less problem now, but 15, 20 years ago, there was a lot of security mm -hmm. problems. And, and I think we are at that stage right now with cryptocurrency, especially with DeFi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing that you often see, um, you know, so many projects coming to market, you don't really know if it's a two-man team that kind of learned to code last year, or, you know, I mean, maybe get some insight if it's a much bigger team with a higher profile. Um, but more often than not, they make a big song and dance about the fact that their smart contracts have been audited by a third-party auditing firm. Um, you know, some may say we've had like four audits from four different firms. Do you think that gives a full sense of security to the end user? Um, you know, I guess you know, having your code reviewed by an independent third party is naturally going to help spot some potential errors, but you know, there's still limitations, I guess, and um, you know, uh, errors and bugs are still going to slip through the net. Um, you know, do you think people still need to just kind of be you know, that much more careful and not put all their trust in the fact that? these these contracts have been reviewed yeah there are many limitations because when you do a security audit you get a limited budget and limited time so after the, the time and budget is consumed that, that's the, the finish line and so of course you know people working on that do uh, like my company they uh, we, we do the the best job we can do but we are limited by time and budget mm -hmm. um so we find try to find all the problems and get them fixed. But then that doesn't mean that there are not more problems that maybe we missed because we didn't have enough time or we didn't have 
maybe uh, enough knowledge because over time when you have more and more technology it gets more complex so it's very difficult for for one person doesn't matter how many years experience to understand all the implications with all the different protocols and technologies around uh, so over time it gets more complex and more difficult to identify the problems. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it could take it, like I said, with SSL, there was some years and then people find a problem. And the same could happen with, with DeFi, of course. Um, um, so people, I mean, doing a security review is good, but I will be more interested if the project doing the security re uh, review can prove that they care about security from the very beginning. If they, you know, they show the threat model, they 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 under they explain how their development life cycle is, how security is integrated, what the different security testing they are doing besides just uh, last minute security review, etc. So that would be a lot more helpful. And also, in the end, it's also uh, also about incentives. Right now, a lot of people are putting blindly the money on DeFi, so they don't really care or they don't understand sometimes the, the risk. So this, that's a reward for the projects. If you go out quickly to the market, you will capture all that money. So there is no incentive right now to make a really secure solution because all projects know that they just need to speak to market to grab the money from people that is willing to put it in a blind way, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think the uh, usually people understand security problem when they suffer the consequences. You know, mm -hmm. you can have maybe money locked down in a DeFi project and don't have any security problems, so you will trust it. But then maybe you lose a hundred, two hundred, a thousand, a million dollars, and then you will start worrying about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, sadly, that's the that's how it works in security and technology in general. That's what I have seen all this year. You know, people really get worried when they suffer the consequences, and then they start pushing the developers to make a more secure product. But until now, until there are no incentives to make more secure technology, they will just you know keep going. Yeah, um, that's yeah. sad, but that's how it works. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for all the headlines that um, you know, DeFi in particular has attracted, it's still a very small market in real terms. And um, mostly people interacting with it are probably relatively tech savvy. They've probably been you know, trading crypto for a while. They do understand, they know the, those risks are there and they kind of accept them. And you know, we keep seeing these, these compromises and there's barely a murmur in the market uh, and people just move on and deal with it which is fine for now. And while we're in this early stage, as you, know, you, you alluded to, that we probably still are when we look back and compare it to the evolution of earlier technologies, um, you know, the challenge will be, and especially because we're dealing with value here, not just some email addresses or passwords being compromised if a system's hacked, then how we get over that hump for you know, what everyone's hoping for, for a much more broader, mass enterprise and institutional type adoption going forward because they're really not gonna you know they're not gonna just uh, sit back and kind of uh, stomach these types of risk and they, they just won't engage if they think they are there so i guess that that remains to be seen um and if we step back a little bit if we look back a few years you know one of the big challenges for early centralized crypto exchanges was their security compromises and regular hacks that did seem or has seemed to improve a lot. You know, uh, those venues and operations have learned, they're much better funded. 
Uh, they might have much better systems. We are still seeing compromises happen. And again, we spoke about full sense of security a little bit earlier. More recently, we've seen new technologies for um, you know, storing and protecting private keys emerge. Um, you know, a few years ago, the most secure form of cold storage use of form of storage for private keys was cold storage where you know completely air gap private keys potentially quite secure but also not very um, lacking in utility and efficiency when you're dealing with lots of transactions so we've seen the emergence of multi-party computation solutions where um, uh, keys are sharded effectively across multiple hardware devices secure hardware devices and only um, um, you know, uh, no, no device is ever party to the entire private key. So in theory, um, that's a very secure system, but also brings a layer of efficiency. Now with the recent hack at the liquid exchange in Japan that um, we mentioned earlier, um, just from what's been reported in the news, for their hot wallet layer, um, which would generally contain less funds than uh, what would be on deposit in cold storage, um, they were using a multi-party and MPC uh, system, um, but that's where the compromise happened. Now, the debate is, was this new technology flawed itself, or was it a case that human error came back into play? And there's other weaknesses um, in the chain which are there to be compromised. So, you, you know, it's not safe just to put all your trust in a new technology if it's supposedly secure. There's always room for human error. Um, and, you know, maybe there was uh, issues around um, policy controls accessing that or API, API access points. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I will be more, in, I don't know the details, but I will be more inclined to think that it was mostly related with uh, human errors. Um, because when, you know, encryption is, could be really good, really secure, but then key management is always an issue. I mean, you can have a very strong encryption algorithm solution but then if you leave the the keys around then you know any uh, criminal can get the key and, and sign a transaction or steal the phone etc i have seen this with uh, some protocols that are used in wireless communication you know really strong encryption but then you realize that the vendors that um, ship the devices with the key writing on the top of the device. So it's just crazy, but uh, that, that's, that's real. So you can think about this, okay, you have multi-party com uh, computation with different keys, with different approaches, but then that solution could have an API, that API is programmed by developers and they could make mistakes, they could mismanage the, the keys, they could be exposed, maybe you just make an API call and everything is authorized automatically and they just, the transaction goes through. Um, so these kind of mistakes, if they, the complete solution is not properly audited, that they can be not seen on time and then you realize when you suffer the consequences. But always when dealing with encryption, it's very important to think about the, the right implementation and, and key management. That's where all the problems are, key management and implementation. You know, technology could be super secure, the best technology in the world, but then when implemented and when the keys are managed, it could be a lot of problem in that, way, in that area. Mm. And do you think in the long run that we can't rely, we're never going to be able to rely 100% on uh, software and security implementations themselves? Are we always going to rely on old fashioned solutions such as insurance policies and that, you know, 
when we get enough history in this industry and enough time for uh, insurers to assess risk better um, and you know what what their risks may be if they're insuring smart contracts for example or ex uh, insuring um, exchanges security do you think that's always going to play a part um, and that we'll just find the right balance where there's always going to be some level of risk insurance can play a role um, and that will be no different in um, you know in this future world of decentralized finance I think insurance can play a role, but they won't insure reckless solutions, right? I mean, if you if you insure your house with, for for possible fires, if then the insurance companies, uh, you, if your house uh, gets on fire, then if the insurance company know that you were playing with fire inside your house and you have some inflammable materials all around, they won't give you any money, right? Mm -hmm. um, the same with different kind of insurers, they make sure that you have the the um, the correct procedure in place that you are compliance with different regulations etc they don't give you insurance for free and they make sure um that they will make money and they make money but not paying right mm -hmm. so or paying the less amount of people mm -hmm. so i think insurance can play a role but it should be like a last uh resource solution last uh, solution of sorry i can <clears throat> uh, find the world like the ultimate solution when there there is a problem mm -hmm. but the main solution should be to make sure that you put the best effort on making something secure mm -hmm. and in order to do that like i said you have to think about security from the very beginning and embed it in the whole development process mm -hmm. that's how security has evolved with with different technology like right now operating system we are using right now like windows macos linux um, they are more secure than 10 or 20 years ago because technology has improved, they weren't fixed in the, the problems, they had added, uh, have been adding more protections over time, so they are a lot more secure than 10 and 20 years ago. Uh, but that took place in, in all this year and there was a process, there was an investment, there was people think about solutions, um, security solutions specifically. So now in the crypto world, People are more focused on solutions, not on security. They just want to build something. They just want to give services, want to, to make money. Uh, but security is, is not embedded on, on all that. Until they realize that it should really embed security, then it should improve over time. But I don't think we are there yet, and, and it will take some time. Also, there are some confusions related with blockchain, because we all know, we all know that blockchain technology is very secure because the way it's architected design etc is like secure by design but that doesn't mean that everything you build on top of that will be secure because like we said you have developers problems human error etc but that's a, a big confusion sometimes okay this is blockchain this is cryptocurrency so it's crypto is secure it's not like that because there are you know many layers of technology many things at play um and people sometimes get confused with that yeah i think you see do people put do have so much belief in these just i think just because of the stories um that perpetuate about the technology that is this you know amazing secure uh these amazing secure systems but you know there's been many flaws found in bitcoin's code base since since the very beginning and um you know quite often um these have fortunately been discovered by core developers and patched before um they become um you know, publicly known, but that's, you know, even what's considered the most robust uh, uh, blockchain out there is, is, is still, you know, uh, had its own flaws over time. Do you think something like, is it even relevant around standards? I mean, we're talking about insurance and like to be able to, you know, 
properly assess risk? Are there enough standards or do we need to see more standards um, in the space when people, uh, you know, designing these things, especially as we're working towards, we're seeing, yeah, this next wave of um, innovation around inter and a, a lot of conversations um, around interoperability and the idea of knitting these different networks together. And then, you know, is that layering risk upon risk? Well, the standards are like a good reference because then when they get implemented, it could be a completely different story. You know, the, you can see that with some um, encryption protocol for communications, the, the standard is very good, very secure, has been audited, peer reviewed, etc. But then developers implement it and it has security problems. So it's a good reference, but then you have to make sure that the implementation really reflects the standard and is very well uh, implemented. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going to say that I think right now we haven't seen the worst. I think the worst is, is still to come because uh, maybe the, there's a, a lot of hacks, but I think that we don't see more hacks because this is relative new technology. So the bad guys are still learning it. So they have to develop the skills so if we continue producing insecure technology, the bad guys will already develop the skills and we'll be able to hack even more than that. And I think that's going to happen if things uh, keep the same way. If security doesn't start improving very soon, I think it will just be more common, the, the hacks on DeFi and, and creative projects. Yeah, that's, that's the concern. It's just that sort of nagging doubt. And I just think we've, you know, again, coming back to the fact that dealing with these kind of huge, huge uh, uh, quantities of value um, and these open targets um, is, is going to be that ongoing challenge in terms of building the ultimate trust for really that mass adoption if it's to be achieved. So just obviously, you know, we've discussed um, everything here. I mean, looking forward, I mean, you just, as you just said there, you, you think potentially, you know, we're yet to see uh, you know, bigger issues in the future. Um, but given again your um, background and experience within other sectors, I mean, are you confident ultimately this has a bright future um, and that, you know, one way or another uh, solutions, we will find solutions together um, as an industry and eventually we'll reach a point where we get a, 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 the right balance between being able to trust this enough, having enough fail safes in there. Um, even if that is relying on insurance at some level uh, within the mix. Yeah, I think so. Over time, it will improve when the right incentives are in place. It should get to improve uh, because right now, if you think about centralized uh, solutions like the traditional financial system, they are pretty secure. I mean, you know, if you have uh, your money at your bank that you can get to the website, put your username and password, then you have two-factor authentication. You, you will get a code by email, SMS, or you can have a token. Um, that works pretty well. I mean, people get uh, some scam related with that, but it's not easy to hack. I mean, it's mostly the hacks are related with uh, attacking the people, attacking the user, not the, the technology itself, not the system itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that shows that the, the, this is all system, all technology, traditional technology, but it's working pretty well and it's not commonly hacked. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, if you go 15, 20 years ago, then probably they were suffering a lot of hacking, a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. And so again, yeah, I think it, it will improve, but first we need to have the right incentives. 
If they don't appear, then everything will keep the same. Yeah, yeah, if right. you have, um, for instance, you have a project, you are getting money from people, and then you don't have any responsibility for that money, then why you should care? I mean, mm -hmm. people give you money for, for free, for you can play with it. Mm -hmm. So we need to have the right incentive in place. I don't see that right now, so I think it would take some time. Okay, all right, we'll keep an eye out. Um, uh, we're just running out of time, but um, uh, we're speaking to you from Uruguay. Um, so just take the opportunity. Um, there's been a lot of uh, news in the last few months about uh, crypto adoption, especially in uh, Central America, the news out of El, El Salvador. Um, what's your view on the ground over there in terms of uh, uh, the, uh, crypto as an asset class, as an alternative form of currency, and also uh, just as a technology and how it's being uh, viewed? Yeah, adoption is growing fast and there is a, a lot of ongoing interest. You know, most younger people uh, tend to, to get in more quickly, to trust it more quickly than older people, I would say more than 50 or some years, they don't really trust cryptocurrency. For them, it's like something new, di difficult to, to trust. They, they prefer the traditional investment vehicles. But people that is on technology, not, not necessarily on crypto, people that are in technology, they realize the importance of this. They realize the, the, the future, the, the implications in the future. So they, they are pushing, you know, adoption, developing solution or getting interest on, on different projects. Um, and also people like in countries like Venezuela, Argentina, where there is a high inflation rate mm -hmm. and they have some restriction accessing to hard money. So they, those markets are growing a lot because people is putting their weak money into hard money like Bitcoin or other uh, tokens, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, the adoption is growing. Still, uh, there is a lot of pushback from, not much from the government, but from the financial institution, right? If you want to open a bank account and then they realize you are trading cryptocurrency, maybe they will close account, mm -hmm. or they will ask a lot of questions uh, while you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, traditional, uh, financial institutions are pushing back sometimes, and, and some governments try to be as light as possible, but when they realize that it will be hard for them to get taxes from that, then they start to change their mind. Maybe some, sometimes they will say something to, to, the, to the people, that, oh, crypto is good, but then from the back, they are trying to think how they are getting taxed from that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what's going on right now in a really high overview, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, I can definitely see that in terms of, you know, uh, those countries with weaker economies and weaker currency, definitely seeing that adoption happen. Everything else in terms of bank accounts and those relationships and uh, uh, governments uh, being positive and negative, I think that's a global problem still. So uh, we'll, we'll tackle those together. Uh, Cesar, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you for coming in and sharing your expertise and thoughts. Um, and uh, we look forward to having you back on to share your views at some time in the future. Thanks very much. Great talking to you too, and thank you for the opportunity to be here.